welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. You can find us under the Burnt Orange Nation podcast feed. You can also subscribe wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the places where you find high-quality podcast content, we are there as well. You can also connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, and you can also shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. I'd also love to remind you, this is the last time you're going to hear about it, the Texas Exes Houston Texas Off Week Open Golf Tournament. It's this week. It is this Saturday, September 28th at Wildcat Golf Course is a 9 a.m. shotgun style start for the four-player scramble. Uh, tournament and sponsorship information can be found over at TexasXs.com. Your deadline to sign up is Thursday. So the next time we're in your ear holes, you better have signed up. All proceeds are going to go to the Houston Chapter Scholarship Fund Breakfast Lunch on course snacks and plenty of adult beverages are available there. And the marquee raffle item is two tickets to the 2020 US Open at Wingfoot in New York. Now you don't have to be present to win the raffle. All you got to do is go over to www.texasx's.com. You can purchase your raffle tickets there and support a great cause in the process. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who would never ask Mike Gundy about a haircut gift card, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I wish I had uh, had half of the quaff that, that, that Gundy had. I'll give him that. He may not have walked away with a W, but he walked away from Austin with some respect in the follicle uh, features. No, um, it's 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 a bye week, Gerald. I feel like we're the walking wounded. I am, I am hurting from watching that game. I feel like we paid the iron price just to see it. Um, so I'm limping in here on, on this, this fine Monday evening. I was going to say, instead of a breather, we call it an se seether. It's uh, it's 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 perfectly perfectly fine. It just means more when you do it that way. They call it the LSU timeout, Kyle, is what we're what we're <laughs> going to colloquially call it. Uh, but Texas came away with a thirty-six to thirty win uh, after the game. Texas head coach Tom Herman was saying that you know for the last three seasons we've been telling them that your best is good enough to beat everybody, and he said that this time we played ugly and we still managed to win. We're finally good enough to do that and Texas did play ugly it was an ugly game in spite of them putting up 498 yards on offense so we'll start let's start on the offensive side of the ball Cox I think that's the bigger story for Texas we'll hit the defense and the injuries here in just a moment but Sam Ellinger did what Sam Ellinger does and kind of led the offense uh, 20 for 28 281 yards four touchdowns an interception that he definitely did force into a spot, but that's also a Colin Johnson differentiator that probably happened. He chipped in 10 yards, including the game clinching scramble to get a first down and go into that victory formation. Um, 15 touchdowns to start a season is the fourth best start in school history. Kyle, we, we knew Sam Ellinger was going to be good, but we didn't really think he'd be this good uh, 33% into the season. So like, 
does Sam continue on this trajectory? Um, and what did you see against Oklahoma State that makes you feel either way? Well, I mean, I'll say this. Sam Ellinger is is good. Sam Ellinger is, is great. Um, if Sam Ellinger is going to be in New York at the end of the season, he needs to just keep doing this. And, and really, he needs all his weapons available each time, you know, a, a chink in that armor goes down. It's a little bit extra that he has to do on his own. And I think the thing that he's doing right now that um, I'm most excited to see is he's not doing it all on his own. That's the, the growth that we wanted to see. He's taking what the defense gives him. He's checking down. He's, you know, taking the run game to set up the pass later and just showing patience, uh, looking down the field and taking a little scramble and getting out of bounds, not trying to go for the hero, you know, truck stick and, and get, you know, an extra 20 yards, uh, kind of sliding a little this year, um, hitting, you know, hitting whatever the defense is there um, on little little slant routes when you know he wants that uh, that big deep ball on the outside. So I I think that growth is, is exceptional. I think the only thing that potentially gets is if we get into a game where it's, uh, you know, it's all on the line and you're down a Colin Johnson, you're down a couple weapons in the run game. Heaven forbid we have any issues on the offensive line or in the receiver room. Um, if he tries to push it a little bit more, do a little bit more. But I, again, I'm just speculating here, trying to think and, and, and not only sip the Kool-Aid. Because right now, I texted you during the game saying this guy – is throwing the ball better than we ever expected. He has Colt McCoy like uh, accuracy numbers right now going on through through the first few games of the season, um, and, and in fact, you know, starting the first four games of a season better touchdown wise than any QB's ever done uh, at UT. So I mean, you, you can't knock it. You, you, there are naysayers are sitting on their hands waiting to have something to talk about because right now there is none. I think he's playing better than anybody in the conference based upon if you look at at talent for talent, right? Like Jalen Hurts is putting up monster numbers, but he's basically played against tissue paper uh, and my my kid cousin, right? Like that's who he's played against. And so I think when he plays against, he's not going to play against anybody really until Texas because let's just be real here. Uh, Tech is not any good and neither is Kansas. So I, I – like Ellinger is probably the class of the conference. I would have to say it like at least based on how he's playing right now. Um, I mean, Charlie Brewer may have something to say about it when it's all said and done. Uh, Bowman's been injured, right? Uh, Brock Purdy has been up and down. He played really well uh, this last weekend, but again, they were playing a outmatched non-conference team. So I'm, I'm really, I, I really don't see any signs of him slowing down. Like I think, cause you, you hit the nail on the head. He's playing smarter than he ever has. He's making incredible reads. He's not scrambling just to run. He's scrambling to create plays and to create things in the pass game. And, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth, but the, with the way the offensive line has been playing for mm-hmm. the last several weeks, and maybe that's a natural transition here like he hasn't had to scramble if you watch a lot of the plays there's a completely clean pocket and he hasn't had to go anywhere the offensive line utterly utterly dominated I mean they 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 got no sacks on Sam they only even got um a a touch on him twice uh in in the in the pocket so I mean they held um and let him do what he needed to do they they blitzed three linemen but they did bring linebackers d-backs they 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 mixed it up a little and and no matter what they did they could never uh solve that riddle of getting all the way back there and and that also goes to the running backs who did a good job chipping and and adding extra protection back there but yeah I mean if Sam could count on that, we taught, we gave the statistic in the offseason in a clean pocket last year, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. This is not 
an unknown. If you're a cultured fan, if you're smart, if, if you want to send this to your non-Longhorn fans to give them a little education, the, the hipster smart football folks, even outside of Texas, have known for a while that the, the trope that Sam is just a running quarterback is done. He is a fantastic passer of the football, and it seems like that little piece in his game where he was overthrowing um, some of the seam routes uh, to to his inside speedy slot receivers, Smith and DuVernay, um, it seems like he's, he's for the time being, got that uh, rhythm down. And, and if he has that in the bag, along with all his other tools and, and the ability to, to read, to make the decisions, the pre-reads, the judgments, the, the hot calls, the, um, you know, the, the, the quick, accurate dump-offs and letting the, the guys get the yak – he does all of that, and he adds that on. I, I, I just don't know how you stop an offense led by him. Jim Knowles in Oklahoma State, like they are pressure and sack specialists. And for just the second time since Knowles has been at Oklahoma State for like seventeen or eighteen games, he was held without a sack. Like that's that's a big deal that the offensive line is able to create that space. And Sam Ellinger has proven that he is a pocket quarterback that just happens to have legs. Like that's been him. Now he still does deal with some accuracy issues. He he missed a guy. He missed John Burt high. Um, I think some of that was he was trying to get it over the line or get it over a defender. It was a, it was a weird. It was one of the only passes. Like that was that was weird. Um, of the game, it was, it was kind of, but he, he put the ball on the money for, and we'll talk about this, the, the, um, the Brennan Eagles touchdown that almost wasn't, but he's, he's playing and having great ball placement. The, the pass to Duvernay for the touchdown on the, on the sideline was like perfect. It was a perfect throw. He put it where only Devin Duvernay could get it. He led the receiver with anticipation and, and Duvernay makes an NFL catch like that. Like Ellinger is not going to slow down and we'll talk more about that in our Thursday show, but like he is on pace for a really, really special season. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, that's a, uh, that's a natural transition into that wide receiver group because I think um, you mentioned him. I, I don't want to keep this one too short, but I think you have to start it and you can almost end it with uh, and I guess Eagles is going to shout, but with Devin Duvernay, I mean, the guy, uh, I am just wildly impressed. I think we talked in the off season, Gerald, that, if Colin Johnson continued to do what he did and if Duvernay could make the step up and basically, you know, become different size, different shape, different speed, but the equivalent of little Jordan Humphrey in the slot at this point, he is a better weapon than we had in little Jordan Humphreys last year, him going to the NFL opened up this position potentially for Devin Duvernay to do what he's doing. I mean, 12 catches, 108 yards, um, just a third down, asset like one I can't remember um since you know some of the 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 tight ends back in the the early 2000s um you know that that you just knew on third down if a quarterback is in trouble he knows exactly where to look or even before he's in trouble if you just want to snap ball in his hands first down all in the you know about one and a half seconds you know where he's looking and and the defense knew it and they couldn't stop it. It was just really, really incredible. He, uh, of his 12 catches, half of them were on third down with six third down catches, five going to move the sticks. Just really, I can't say enough about how surprised I am that he just keeps getting better every game. And he did it with coverage shaded on him, right? Like with Colin Johnson out, they were able yeah. to do some interesting things in the coverage and, and put more pressure on him. There was a, They were playing... Uh, pretty aggressive press coverage on a lot of third downs to try to keep him from from finding space and getting open underneath, and he was able to do that. And I think that's a testament to his combination of speed and route running ability. Like that's a guy who 
I I I totally thought it was coach speak off of, uh, during the offseason when they moved him inside. It was like, oh, he's still fast and he's super strong. He's way stronger than any of us anticipated. And like the way that he that he is able to go through a defender to get those last couple of yards, the way he's able to put guys on their backside and really able to um to just push through and plow through coverage. Now, I do want to talk about um, Malcolm Epps and kind of the Colin Johnson differentiator because yeah. uh, we have to we have to talk about it there because that's yeah. why OSU was able to play press coverage, right? Um, you you can knock Colin Johnson for maybe not being as much of a 50-50 ball specialist, but if you say that Colin Johnson doesn't change the way defenses play Texas, then you and I aren't watching the same sport, right? We're not watching the same game. We're not watching the same sport uh, because when Colin Johnson is in, Colin Johnson, again, the 50-50 balls is a thing that he needs to work on. We've said it before, and we'll say it again. But he beats press coverage at the line yeah. 10 times out of 10. Yeah. He's slapping a hand down, he's swimming over, and his outside arm is going up. Like, if you make the mistake of playing press coverage on Colin Johnson, you deserve to give up six points. Um, and, and when he's out, teams are able to press and be more aggressive. And, and we saw that, and we saw the difference as – they got in the body of Malcolm Epps. They got in the body a couple of times of Devin Duvernay um, and, and saw some success early doing that. But Texas, I think, just out, out-athleted them. There we go, late. Yeah, I, I, it's it's tough, right? I don't want to put – I don't want to write Epps off, right? Like when you compare him to Colin Johnson, that's a tough, tough beat because Colin has been coached at the highest level to do this for 10 years. Epps decided to play football from being a basketball player within the past, you know, two or three. So – I there is growth there. I see it, but there needs to be an effort. The thing that I don't like is, you know, Sam had eight incompletions. Three of them were catchable balls from Epps. The effort on the interception, just if you can't even get to it, shows some body control to keep that guy from getting in there. The, the announcers really went on about how great a play it was. And it was, it was a good play, but as a, a veteran receiver, you don't let that guy get in there. Uh, or you, you make a little effort to, you know, to, to just, Get between him and, and the ball that led to the interception. Um, would have been a touchdown to Colin Johnson on, on you know, I believe, a, I don't know if it was a go route, but basically put it just in front of the pylon in the corner. Um, and it just looked like he never located the ball until too late. Um, and then I think there was another deep route that it just, it, it was a little effort things. Even the onside kick, he was on that hands team. He was watching uh, as, 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 you know, that ball was on the ground. Like, I, you got to get in there, Epps. And, and, and that's what I need to see from him. Bert had equally like a you know a seam route that I wanted to see him sell out a little bit more for otherwise the receivers I thought all the effort was there and and to his credit Bert in the blocking game was there Um, but I I do think from Epps he's not ready to just replace Colin Johnson today no and and I don't think that's that's going to be again he's a he's a he's a sophomore right they they didn't redshirt did they they redshirt him last year or did he hit his four games I don't remember Uh, but either either way it's he's been playing football full-time for like four years, right? Like that's, he's, he's that guy. Like I think back to uh, basketball, Gary Johnson, right? Gary Johnson's the guy that should have made the Malcolm Epps move uh, and gone to the NFL on that. Uh, that's, that is a, that is a reference for the old heads in our, our listenership basketball, Gary Johnson, go look him up. Uh, but that's that. Well, that's enough about that spot. Brennan Eagles, big play. Oh yeah. Brennan fly Eagles fly. Oh yeah. I alluded to it before he almost dropped it. And I about, <laughs> I, my son had just fallen asleep and if he had dropped that, I'd have woken him up. Like it's, it is what it is. Uh, but he came in with a, a one reception. Made it count 73 yards and a touchdown streaking down the sideline. Uh, OSU had a completely blown coverage. Sam saw it instantly and threw it out there. That is his second play 
of 50 yards or more this season. He is third in the country in yards per, per reception. Well, I think he's upwards of 24 uh, yards per reception, which is absolutely nuts. Um, he has more plays longer than 50 yards than Texas had all season last that's year because right. they had zero plays longer than 50 yards. Um, that's probably not a sustainable pace, but I think having a big play guy uh, that you can depend on in Eagles is a good thing for this offense. He did that without Colin Johnson on the field, which is exciting. We keep alluding to how that shifts a defense. Um, that's the exciting part for the future. But typically, and, and hoping, fingers crossed, we get Johnson back for all the games starting in, after the bye week, is that you have Colin Johnson, and they're shading to that side of the field, and you're one-on-one with a guy who is fast, is giant. And, you know, we, we've called Colin Johnson a little bit on it at times, but Brennan Eagles so far has been a monster at winning 50-50 balls, at high-pointing balls, at going up and getting balls, and then just taking off after he catches it. Um, I think on his four touchdown catches this year, he's averaging something like 45 yards. So just just really explosive and really awesome to have opposite of a guy like Colin Johnson, who you know can just beat you if you leave him one-on-one. So at full strength again, hopefully for you know West Virginia, and then, of course, the OU game after that. It, this looks like a good group, but I don't want to skip over because – little shout-out to him, a guy we've been calling on to do a little bit more all season. Cade Brewer got two catches. No one on the team had more than two besides DuVernay this week, but got two catches, um, blocked pretty well, caught that that trickeration, um, which was probably my favorite play call of the past, at least this season for sure, um, when they ran the, uh, the reverse flea flicker. Um, that eventually went from uh, went from I think Roshan or Keontae Ingram to Jake Smith to Sam thrown to uh, to Brewer for for the wide open touchdown to the short side of the field just beautiful but executed it well um, just wanted to shout out because our tight ends um, have are the guys on this unit who don't really get mentioned a lot but probably deserved it this week. So quickly we we almost skipped over him, uh, but Keontae Ingram went ahead and had himself a game. Uh, we we cannot go through this without it. So Keontae Ingram set career highs in carries and yardage with 21 carries and 114 yards. But probably his biggest play of the game was his uh, 26-yard reception, his only uh, reception of the game. It was kind of a check down from Ellinger, broke four tackles, kind of set the tone. Uh, Texas scored a few plays later. Actually, Roshan, I believe, was the one that scored just a few plays later uh, and converted on the two-point conversion. Um, but Ingram has... has Silence the doubters and shed the questions like he shed the knee brace is the best way I can say this. Um, and Kyle, the stat I got some stats, some Keontae Ingram stats. I didn't put them in the show notes because I wanted to shock you yes. with this. So, uh, in addition to all the crazy stuff, he had eight carries longer than five yards on first down. So on first down carries alone, he had eight that were longer than five yards. And the, if your running back is able to put you that far ahead of the chains, like five yards on first down is huge. He actually had five first down carries on first down. So plays that were 10 yards or longer this season. Keontae Ingram, 56% of his production has come on first down. That is a guy who is putting the offense in position to be successful. And I am so glad to see that the player that we expected him to be two years ago when he stepped on campus is finally coming to fruition. I'm so excited. This is exactly what you need. I almost wish we didn't have a bye week for him only. We need it for everyone else. Uh, but he just seems to be getting his mojo. Send him to the his... intramural fields. <laughs> getting, yeah, absolutely. Um, getting his groove. Just he, he, he looks like he's seeing the game at his speed. I think... Um, 
early on in the season, he may have been going a little fast and then he's going a little slow. And now that pendulum is swung right in the middle and he's just seeing the game, right? I mean, the, the post, uh, catch the yards after catch on that 26 yarder he had was just some of the, the most exciting stuff I've seen in Longhorn football in the past five years. I mean, it was, it was glorious. It was, it was highlight real all time stuff. I wish he could have taken it uh, even further just because then you do for sure get on one of those uh, highlight commercials, but just unbelievable shimmy and shake and spin and just make it, making dudes look foolish. So very exciting stuff from him. Um, and the whole, the whole backfield, Roshan, Roshan looked like a dude. Roshan looked like a guy who has been playing that position for 10 years. You know, it looks like we had two um, very capable Big 12 plus running backs. That's the biggest, not surprise, because Roshan, we knew he was an athlete, but I think Roshan's a guy who made a selfless move to kind of give up a redshirt season as a quarterback to do what was best for the team. And we'll talk more about this again on Thursday, but I think, I hope the coaches reward that. Like that, that kind of, I'm, I'm, I think the team first thing is overdone a lot, but I think when a guy is willing to put uh, the needs of the many before his own needs, I think that's a, that's a guy that is a culture captain for you. I would be shocked if he's not on the culture committee uh, as he becomes a, an elder statesman in the program. And I wouldn't, I would be shocked if they don't find more ways to keep Roshan on the field. Yeah. And, and I'll just tie it back one more time and then we can move on here, but two that offensive line who both those guys got to run behind because I, we talked about it in the past game, but you can't talk about how impressive our rushing numbers were without talking about that offensive line that freed up so much space. Um, they took care of the down lineman, got to the second level. Just, I mean, watching Cosme and Braun pulling on that counter is, is gorgeous. I want to, I want to see that 150 more times this season until someone proves that it can be stopped. But I mean, truly, Shackelford not practicing all week and then just coming in and playing like he he never missed a beat. I mean, gosh, that guy's turning into like a just a truly all time favorite Longhorn. I think Texas will probably have um, some more offensive linemen drafted in the next few years. I think that's going to be a thing. It's been they've been few and far between. I'll say in the last probably what eight, nine, ten years. Um, so I think getting getting consistently drafted guys will be huge for the offensive line recruiting that's already on the uptick. So we do have to move on to the defensive side of the ball and talk because there's a lot to talk about there. Um, Texas seemed to out-scheme Oklahoma State in a lot of ways. Um, and, and really what it looked like schematically they were going to do is make somebody other than Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace beat them, right? They, they, they sa- it looked like they said in the team meetings all week, the other guys can get theirs, but Chuba and Thailand are not getting theirs. And I think that that showed in the game plan because it turned out to be the, the Spencer Sanders show for a lot. And Spencer Sanders turned out to be a real dude. Like that dude's a straight up dude and there's no two ways around it. Further, we just need to stop and say right there that this is an incredibly impressive offense. If you walked away from this game thinking anything other than that, then you need to have your eyes checked. This is an incredible offense. And as, as Spencer Sanders gets a little bit older, a little bit more mature, takes a little bit of some of the freshman mistakes out, but keeps that electricity, they could be a scary team for years to come with him at the quarterback position. But I, I agree with you. It's a three-headed monster that, I mean, coming statistically coming into the game was the best in the country. I think going out, you still have to say, is one of – you might have an, an Alabama shout there or uh, a couple teams around the country. But truly, 
one running back, one quarterback, one wide receiver. If you're playing NBA uh, NBA Jam style, it's hard to get a better um, a better three than, than than what Oklahoma State put out there. So that caveat to say, yes, they still they still did some things. It was a good performance from the defense, especially a defense that kept getting banged up as they went throughout the game. It seemed like a better scheme. They kind of ran something of a Tampa too. They tried to just stop. They they said let's help the the uh, the passing game a little bit. Let's take Wallace out, kind of shade a little bit, and see if anyone else can beat us. Um, see if we can stop Chuba with with five guys. You know, with with uh, with four guys, and and they did it. And that's a huge huge testament. We talked about the offensive line. The only group that I think was better was probably that defensive line. Just unbelievable hats off, incredible performance from all the guys who put their hands down against that Oklahoma State line this week. Absolutely, and and I think it starts in the middle, right? And and I texted you early about how effusive could I be about Keandre Coburn and his sizable derriere, and, and and we have to we have to talk about how dominant of a force he is and how much of a differentiator he is from Texas. They showed a couple of shots from the back of the defense, kind of that, that all 22 cam. And what you saw happen on a lot of those occasions is that Oklahoma state has to occupy two blockers on Keandre Coburn, right? He, the, the center engages with him and one of the guards blocks down on him and he just sits there like two grown offensive linemen, pushing on him and he's it was it was crazy I uh I was listening to like a a uh like soft rock station or whatever like one of those like best of 80s 90s and today and uh the script came on the man who shall not be moved and that's that is Keandre Coburn right <laughs> like he just you just cannot move him uh, and and that's a lot of the success of the defense and when they put one man on him he came up with a batted pass that turned into an interception, right? He just kind of pushed the center back and slapped the ball out of the air. And and that's the type of dominant force that Texas needs in the middle of its defense. Snacks. I, I snack attack, snacks baby. On snacks on snacks. I, I I I cannot get enough. It's I don't know how to describe it. Like it's it's a guy who we wanted. We rooted for him so hard from the moment he stepped on campus. We wanted him to be good and to realize like we do with all of Texas's, you know, big, he was an all American in high school. It's not like he came out of nowhere, but we've been rooting for this guy. And when you watch a guy do it and do it so well and look at, you know, where his floor is right now and where his ceiling could be. Um, I, gosh, I love this kid. I think he's fantastic. I think, um, you can't only look at him though, because I, I do think that, that, uh, TQ take on Graham played probably his best game of the season, if not his career. Um, just, just fantastic player Roach, did everything um i mean just had that incredible um where he pushed a an offensive lineman into making the tackle i've been playing a little arkham asylum batman style there's a special <laughs> combo grapple where you grab a goon throw him into another goon and basically uh malcolm roach did that uh to stop a fourth and fourth and one um on the goal line so you know hats off to those guys just Really, and even even the the, the spell guys, Sweat, Chisholm, uh, Jones, all came in and looked good. Ajomo, Ajomo is a guy who I am way more excited about than I thought I would be. Just all in all, defensive lo- line, like big ups to the coach getting them in there. I mean, we've we've always said incredible coaching there. Now is recruiting them. I mean, we have a good class coming in. I'm excited about our D line, and I think we came in here with a big question mark on that unit, and we leave you know a quarter of the season in feeling real confident. That bleeds over into the rest of the defense and. 
the the one of the reasons why the the pass defense looked better than it had all year was probably because of the pressure that the the defensive line created. When you create havoc in the backfield and you force a young quarterback to beat you in a hostile environment, your pass defense looked better. And and Texas gave up a a decent number of yards, 268. So not as many as they have against the last kind of decent school they played LSU, right? But they they were able to uh, shut down Tylen Wallace, holding the nation's leading receiver to 85 yards. Like, well, I, I didn't do the research and I should have because I'm bad at my job. But like, I can't remember the last time Oklahoma State didn't have a receiver go over 100. Like, it probably happened in 1984 uh, before <laughs> Oklahoma State threw a forward pass. I guess Mike Gundy was probably there right around that time. So that's probably <laughs> they probably didn't happen that year either. But that that to me is a huge differentiator. Um, and, and not to toot my own horn, but um, Texas had not one but two defensive backs break the seal on the interception. So uh, I will take the Podstradamus hat from you for this week, Kyle, this week alone. It's, it's your hat to, to have. I will just borrow it for the week. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll let you, I did have a two parter, so I'm not going to try to bang my own drum that, uh, Texas at 503 yards before the two kneel downs to put them at 498. Um, that was my lesser, of course. That was a 30%. My 70% was they would win the turnover battle. Of course, didn't see the special teams, which we'll talk about, uh, <laughs> coming beforehand. So congratulations. You definitely, definitely got it. You deserve uh, a rousing round of applause. But um, the one thing on the, on the defense, I think we'll talk about the, the punt returns in, in the special team sense, but I think what it did is it maybe gave a different sense than what you should have got for how the defense came out in the second half, the adjustments they made. It was 21 to 20 going into half. They came in the second half. They held Tylen Walls to two catches for 17 yards in the second half. They kept Chuba Hubbard at around three to three and a half yards uh, a carry. He did have a 13-yard run, which is the only, I think, double-digit run of the game on their last touchdown. But again, it came off of a turnover when the defense was gassed. They held the defense very, very, very well in the second half. They should have, with the way the offense was playing, had it not been for those turnovers, created that separation. And this should have been a 21-point victory based on the way that the secondary played. And again, that's with those injuries. I think um, probably the biggest loss is the fact that uh, I think Green was this was his best game as a Longhorn. I think he was phenomenal. He played up to potential. Um, he looked plug-and-play like the next great defensive back looked really really good i was i was just excited with his play um but the thing that was most impressive to me was as guys went down and it looked like the mash unit the next man up it was always next man up and that's really reassuring to feel like we're always going to have someone that we can rotate in who's a dude um especially you know with the d line and and the secondary i feel good going three deep you know in any position and and we're going to have a guy like Addy Mora, who came in after Stearns got injured, uh, was was kind of the the highlight, at least of the last five minutes of the game, right? Came up with a big PBU in the end zone and then recovered the onside kick uh, on a hands team he was only on because of injury. So like that, like that is a promising. Again, it's the same thing we talked about a lot. There, there is a lot of talent 
but there's not a lot of experience. And I think as guys like Stearns get injured, that becomes more and more evident. And I think um, in three weeks, OU is going to test that. I think that is going to be something. Now, granted, I think OU hasn't played a team with a run defense like Texas, and they will not get anywhere close to the 300-plus yards they're averaging on the ground. I will pod Stradamus that right now. Uh, so, like, that's going to be a change for that offense. And and one of the reasons why Jalen Hurts is at Oklahoma and not uh, in at Alabama is because he couldn't really move the ball down the field with his arm, right? So that's a whole other conversation for our OU preview here in a couple of weeks. I just want to leave, or before we leave it, I want to say um, two things. So first, I want to ask you a trivia question, Gerald. Um, Texas bend, uh, did the Big 12 thing where they bended, bent, but didn't break. There we got it. I know English. Um, bent, but not break. Um, they had five this season, uh, fourth down attempts on them. They had a couple stops today. I'm going to give you a brief trivia out of the five fourth down attempts. How many have been converted by opponents for first downs? None. I wish it was actually one. We did give up one early. I know early in the season. I think it was LSU actually, but, uh, but four out of five, 80% of the time they stop people. And, and it seemed like every time, uh, came up in a big way, uh, especially in this, this game. So just unbelievable resiliency where the defense seems to go to that super Saiyan level. And then one of the young guys, I promised, uh, my, my wife, uh, family friends, I guess with him. Um, but, uh, Estelle, uh, Montreal Estelle got in there. I promised uh, before the season, if, if he got shine, I'd give it to him. And, and he not only had the interception, but may have just been the unsung hero of the night with, with nine tackles, um, second in the team, just, just, a guy who might get a lot more playing time and I feel 100% better about after this game than I did before. But, and, and, and we could talk about it if you'd like, but I mean, basically him coming in allowed Brandon Jones to move to the nickel spot, which may be where he plays the rest of the season and may just make him his best self. And, and that that's yet to be seen. I think the, I think they're going to have to get experimental with some of the packages defensively because that's the only way they're going to uh, be able to to weather some of the storm that is the next four weeks as uh, some of those those players get healthy. Uh, I think we, we have to move on and talk about the special teams real quick before we uh, before we jump off. Um, that was the weirdest special teams game I think I've seen in probably ten years. Right, uh, Jake Smith early muffed a punt and then Brandon Jones muffed a punt late trying to do some sort of sliding catch situation. I don't know what that was, but that was the, um, that was the differentiator Kyle for your pod Stradamus was those two uh, fumbles gave, gave uh, OSU the advantage in the, in the punt battle. Yeah. And then Texas and Texas lost both of its fumbles, both of them being on special team. Oklahoma state lost neither of their two. They had about three more snaps that had there not been a false start would have been a, um, a ball on the ground. So there was chances for Texas to get, get a couple and make that work. But I mean, the crazier thing is Oklahoma state only scored three touchdowns. Like I talked about that Ben don't break two of them came immediately after those flood punts. So where I said earlier that those plays basically belied how good the defense was, especially in their own half of the field. Um, but it happened, right? But so that just has to stop. Coach Nivar cannot be okay with that. And he has a week, and I know Coach Nivar, he is going to enjoy chewing the hide off of some players. You may see different players back there returning punts. Um, but he has a week just to unleash 
on those and get that instilled in their head. I, I, we said it last week. I don't know if Jake Smith ever fair caught. He just seemed to kind of catch everything. And then maybe that's why, because this week he tried to fair catch and it didn't work out, but you have to be better. Um, you just have to. It could have legitimately cost them the game if, if a couple of those things go another way. And so that's that's huge. We, we mentioned Adi Mora uh, when he came in for, for Stearns. We talked about him in the defensive backs. Um, Texas had to go to an onside kick recovery the hands team as the ball is kind of bouncing in the air and I'm holding my breath and trying not to scream. Uh, he was able to come up with it and, and get away with uh, with the onside kick recovery. Gundy had a weird fake field goal call that um, he later alluded to the fact that he doesn't care what social media or the internet thinks about his choices. He will just continue to make them. So it was just it was just a weird special teams game overall. Yeah, just one more thing out of a weird game that I hope when we look back in the rearview mirror, because Oklahoma State is a top 25 team. I'll say it right here. This is going to be a good win for us. Sometimes you don't win pretty. Sometimes you just get out of the war casualties you know incurred but you take the w and i hope that's how we look back on it and this isn't any type of trend and it's just a weird thing that happened because gundy's weird and oklahoma state's weird and it's weird things um but we get out of here and we we don't see any of these become you know uh, systemic so texas has a week off to get on the mend uh several injuries happened late in that game caden stearns came down awkwardly on his leg uh he will be out about a month uh, Jalen Green uh, with a dislocated shoulder for also about that same time. Josh Thompson is going to miss significant time with a fractured foot, likely ending his season. Marcus Tillman also out for the season. Thankfully, both of those guys will probably be able to redshirt thanks to the new redshirt rules. Uh, so we'll get more time from them. But this is this is a well-timed bye week for the Longhorns. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have a couple guys who should be back for the West Virginia game who have been out. Um, you have overshown uh, and 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 Thompson coming back, which is uh, which is big. I think um, I think you're gonna see uh, I think you're gonna see guys moving in and out. Um, you're gonna see some freshmen get chances with these guys out. Um, this will this will be a true test for for how deep we've said depth um, in certain areas were were the the key and the strength of this team. And now we're about to really prove it. So like I said, Overshun Thompson coming back and, and Kirk Johnson also probably getting back in that running room. He did dress out for this week but didn't play. So Texas, again, has a week off. They will uh, get healthy, get on the mend, and then two weeks from now they will take on West Virginia. In our normal preview spot, Kyle and I are going to kind of preview the last eight games of the regular season looking at conference play and what we want to see from the Texas Longhorns. So that's the part of the show where we take you around and, and give you a run-through of the things going on on campus outside of the football team and be down the 40. So first off, the Texas Longhorn recruiting train keeps running as four-star wide receiver Troy Omier flips from the Aggies to the Texas Longhorns. Hashtag we run the state. 6'3", 217-pound receiver from Fort Bend committed to the Aggies in June and then realized that he had made the worst mistake of his life choosing them over the Longhorns. So he decided to flip his commitment. That moves Texas to number five in the 2020 recruiting rankings as they head into the final stretch before early signing day. Yeah, a big big receiver who gets separation with his body, his, his kind of route running, his ability to go up and get ball seems to fit perfect uh, for what this offense does. I mean, it's going to be interesting. You could go back and look at the tweets when because when, he was pretty strong 
pretty hot, I'd say 50-50, um, and watching Aggies and Longhorns. And then when he eventually went to A&M, uh, the Aggies said he was the best receiver of all time. Um, and then he, he flipped over to Texas. And now it seems that they, you know, were completely over him, didn't need him, not that great. So it's always funny to watch the narrative as well as the player flip uh, if, you, if you frequent such things as team-related message boards. Hashtag Aggie tears are flowing. So soccer had a mixed week. They lost 1-0 to Providence in overtime. They scored a golden goal on the 98th minute on what was their only shot on goal of the night. Um, star forward Sierra Hinson did not play, but then they bounced back and absolutely put the boots to Grambling with an 8-0 win over that team. Julia Grosso scored goals five and six of the year. Sydney Billups, you may recognize that last name, scored her first goal of the season, moving Texas to five and four on the year. Hopefully that uh, that kicks the, the, the Longhorns into gear, that big 8-0 win, because they, uh, they're a little bit under where they should be potential. Again, losing your star forward is tough, um, but I, I would like to see them win a couple of these close games that keep getting on the wrong side of... Uh, of these little late game uh, wonders, these these uh, they won one in the beginning, and then the rest have gone against them. So it's about time the luck swings back in their factor. Let's see how it works for the rest of the season. Volleyball had a weird loss on the road to Rice two uh, two to three uh, before sweeping the Aggies in their final game before conference play. Michaela White contributed thirteen kills. Molly Phillips with six blocks, just mean mugging all week. Hey, Rice volleyball, I believe, is undefeated still. They were time when they beat the Longhorns so they're they're very good um I guess which is not typically their thing um but I guess that was the the uh the vengeance for what we did to their football team so it makes sense vengeance is mine saith the Owls real quickly men's tennis uh, at the Gamecock Open uh took away um they actually had a 100% chance of winning the uh single title in one of the brackets as uh, two Texas players played each other uh they also those uh, those same two players uh took the doubles title on their side of the bracket uh Texas is just getting off to a huge start so Christian Sisigard uh sitting at number 2 in the Oracle Intercollegiate Tennis uh rankings Ito claimed the number 4 spot Texas, the only school in the nation with two players in the top five. Uh, Sisgard and Ito are also the number 17 uh, duos pair in the country. Hopefully we're looking at a repeat, baby. Back to back. Back to back like Drake. Uh, women's tennis, uh, Fernanda Lebrana and Tijuana uh, Spasejevic is what we're going to go with. Um, won the singles side. So men's basketball released their full schedule. And we are 42 days crazy away from the tip off of that season. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're tipping off with a tough one against UNC. Um that being the University of Northern Colorado. Gerald, do you know the mascot of the University of Northern Colorado? Snow Leopards. I'm sending them an email. It should be changed. They're the Bears. Um I just had never heard of that school until now, but there is another UNC that plays basketball. Shaka said today that this is the best shooting team uh, that they've had since he's been there, which honestly probably wouldn't be very hard, but that's neither here nor there. And then finally, women's golf moves up to number two in the latest poll after taking third at the Annika Invitational. Uh, But now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. And normally this is where we highlight uh, a funny story or kind of something cheeky from the uh, from the, the world at large in college sports or uh, from the Texas Longhorns. But uh, it's a somber note. 
Uh, former Texas Longhorn and Ole Miss quarterback Jevin Sneed uh, passed away over the weekend. He was uh, found dead in uh, kind of downtown area, and uh, he he had um, he played at the University of Texas. Was came in to uh, compete to be the successor to Vince Young. Uh, ran into a guy named Colt McCoy, who turned out to be uh, arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks in school history. Sneed ended up transferring and played his time at Ole Miss before heading to the NFL and kind of never really uh, making it there. And and there's still a lot of word out there. There's a lot of rumors. We're not going to report on any of the rumors because there hasn't really been uh, reporting on what actually happened. But we want to highlight um, the fact that his family is taking donations for uh, the memorial fund and to have uh, services for him. And then any overflow will be donated to his high school to buy better equipment for head injuries and head trauma uh, to avoid them for uh, those players and also to uh, CTE research as the, the donations will be made in his name. It's one of those stories that when it comes across your timeline just really takes you back. I remember Jevin Sneed when I first got on campus um, in, in kind of the promise of what the player he could be, big national recruit out of Stephenville. Um, it, it's just it's just crazy. I mean, the, the numbers are there, obviously. He, he skipped a senior season kind of bizarrely and never quite made it in the NFL, but it seemed like he might. He's, he's top 10 in school history at Ole Miss with uh, almost 5,400 yards and, and 46 touchdowns. But I think more importantly is the kid's 32 years old. Um, and so just a, just a tragedy, a really sad story. The Longhorn family is, is still healing from the, uh, the Cedric Benson news a couple weeks ago. And then, uh, even though he didn't finish his career as a Longhorn, he did start out here. And so it does affect, um, folks on the 40 acres. And so just thoughts go out to, to the Sneeds, the family, friends, uh, anyone who knew him and anyone affected by this, but, uh, just, just tough stuff, man. It's, uh, it's one of those things when you talk about CTE that I can't, um, can't wait until we have a better grip on it until we we know what we're fighting we know how to get on the other side of it um it's just it's tough um having multiple members of my family who played football for a long time and uh even seen some you know odd behavior from them it makes me wonder so um it's just it's a it's a tough thing that affects a lot of people because a lot of us play football, um, and uh, you know it, whatever whatever that that cause in his life is 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 ultimately just just quite a tragedy. So um, horns up for for Jevin Sneed and, and the entire Sneed family. Absolutely, it's it's uh, it's tough to see anybody uh, leave us so young, and so our thoughts and prayers are with his family. That's all the time we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can uh, everybody connect with you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter. At Kyle Carpenter, you can follow for a brighter note um, the the Texas pregamer. We talk a little football, but mostly nonsense and satire. Um, follow them at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at gh goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can always shoot us an email Longhorn Republic Pod at gmail Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We will see you back on Thursday. But until then, hook them. Hook them. Please get healthy. Thank you.